Hey there, this is Paul Wicker and JD Prater. And it is Thursday, July 15th, and these are the headlines in paid. What's first? First, up on the docket, man, Facebook. Uh, man, they've just been like rolling out stuff left and right. They're one of those platforms that you just have to like be dialed in just to keep up with it. But this week we got some value-based lookalike audiences. Uh, did you get a chance to take a look at this one? I did, uh, and I agree. They have a new ad something every <laughs> 10 minutes. Um, so basically, you know, people always talk about optimizing for clicks as like a proxy to optimizing for the thing we really care about as marketers, which is making money and the actual sale. So it feels like over time, every network gets closer and closer to doing optimization based on revenue, or even better, optimization based on profit, which some of the big like algo bidding companies like Kenshu and Marin spend a lot of time doing where they get like your profit data on the product level and they pump that back into your bidding algos. So it's not surprising that folks like Google and Facebook get closer and closer to do this. And that's really what Facebook's doing with this value-based uh, lookalike audience. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I uh, went ahead and did it for ad stage. So we created it and we haven't run any campaigns on it yet, but what we did and what you guys can do is you can pull your customers and look like you normally would with uploading into Facebook like, like a custom audience. So first name, last name, email, whatever, whatever. But in this time, you can actually include a column, which is maybe lifetime value. Maybe it's revenue from this person. But you can basically, you're going to put a monetary value on people. And before... How, uh, how we, cold of you. <laughs> before we were like segmenting our, our databases for the best lifetime value, where Facebook says, no, actually, like give us all of them because we want to know who the people are like that are actually your top customers and as well as like your lower performing customers, maybe like one purchase or maybe a lower tier, you know, SaaS company, something like that. So it's, it's really, it's really going to be kind of cool to see what ends up happening and then creating that audience to actually find people most like the top revenue producing customers and then creating a campaign based off that. So very, very interested to see how it's going to work out and play out. Um, again, I think they're just kind of making marketers' lives maybe a little bit easier with, with the little little tweak there. And I think the easiest way to understand it is if you are an, let's say you're a gaming app mm -hmm. and you know, you're trying to get a bunch of installs. So Facebook knows who out there are those people that install and play games. So you say, hey, these are my really high value users. And then Facebook takes a look at them and says, okay, you know, I know users that do this behavior, so I'm going to go target them. It's like pretty high in the creepy factor, but amazingly effective. Yeah, it works. Yeah, we, um, when I was back at Agency Life, we had some app clients, and it was kind of fun to see what they tracked for events and being able to push that back into Facebook and having Facebook actually optimize not just for an install, but for an install plus people likely to perform this event, which is crazy. Yeah, those apps, like the gaming community and e-commerce <laughs> always have that advantage of like instant conversion because mm -hmm. people like play the game, buy the micro purchases in game, or they buy a product online. Where in B2B, uh, where we often are in direct response lead gen, you know, it's so long to find out if people are going to convert. It's always most jealous of yeah. those folks. But. I mean, it would be great if I'd said, you know, find people that are likely to trial ad stage and use the reporting widget and use our automation tool like yeah that'd be sweet yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sure paul would like that yeah <laughs>
Bring it. Uh, so what else is going on? So we got some news from Bing as well. More audiences. This is going to be a week of audiences. It seems, again, we're not seeing a whole lot of keyword stuff. We're seeing audience stuff. Um, no surprise here. So Bing went ahead and launched two different ones. So we have an in-market and a custom audience features being added to help advertisers target and reach their best customers. So again, everyone is going after reaching and targeting the best customers. Um, so yeah, this one's pretty cool. It's a pilot program again. So reach out to your rep in order to kind of get in there. But uh, did you get a chance to take a look at some of what they're kind of offering there? I did not. I saw Bing and I just ignored it. No, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I did not actually see this headline. Um, so yeah, I'll, we'll I'll, that. I'll, I'll fill in um, just because I think it's really kind of cool. So if you're using AdWords, you're, you're, you're very familiar with the in-market audiences. You probably use them maybe on like the display campaigns, um, maybe like remarketing campaigns, something like that. But you can definitely see this data also in Google Analytics where they have your in-market audiences. And really it's just, it's a list of individuals who have like this certain type of purchase intent for like a category product. So people that are most likely to say, I'm really interested in like tech and computers and you can classify them and then show them your ads. So think of it that way as a curated list specific um, to the categories and products that you're trying to reach. And then now you can target them on Bing to and modify your bids to these audiences um, using like remarketing and paid search, like RLSAs kind of stuff. And so I don't, I didn't read the article about Bing, but I know these in-market audiences are not new. Certainly, mm -hmm. um, I think Facebook was one of the first ones. I think they beat Google to putting in-market into their kind of ads manager tool. They essentially buy this data from DataLogix and yeah. Intellius and other folks like that, like these DMP data management platforms or data management providers, and create these segments. There's a lot of marketers that don't trust these, that think these are a whole bunch of malarkey. Um, but uh, I do remember there was a segment likely to purchase a car, and the way they were doing it was getting the data. There's a company called Polk, P-O-L-K, and they have all the data about when cars get purchased and registered, at like the DMV or something like that. So they know when you buy a car, and they can kind of see a pattern of, okay, they buy a car every seven years. So you're six and a half, you're going to be on that list of this person's probably going to buy a car in the next six months. And then I thought, yeah, that, that does sound like a pretty good in-market segment. Yeah, yeah. And the second part of that one is the custom audience segments that you can use for like remarketing. So um, again, using remarketing on Bing and the custom audience is really actually kind of cool. It's similar to what Facebook was just doing right here with connecting your Bing account to your CRM or other, you know, custom audience data that you have and then being able to push people kind of back and forth or push the information that you want out of your CRM into your actual Bing campaigns and then being able to target them. So it's pretty cool. It is a pilot program right now for the custom audiences and you must be using Adobe Audience Manager as your DMP. So again, uh, it's a limited pilot. It's coming out. So don't be surprised if it eventually rolls out. And, um, but if you meet those requirements, please reach out and let me know how it goes and let me know uh, what you're seeing and then after you get approved for that beta. I have a random story that I just found. So we're, we're partnering with Yahoo Gemini and so that you can start bringing your Gemini data into ad stage. So uh, I've been poking around for Gemini articles and there aren't any. And the reason is because Verizon is completing the sale 
uh, or the purchase, I should say, of Yahoo's, like as of June 13th, which was just a few days ago, they were supposed to close on it, $4.5 billion purchase of Yahoo. And Yahoo and the Gemini team have basically had like a gag order issue, issued where they can't basically say anything about anything oh, wow. um, because they're waiting for this deal to close. Uh, we also had to get our contract with them signed like by uh, this week because they're going to freeze all uh, like negotiations and whatnot. Oh, Maybe wow. I shouldn't be saying this publicly. <laughs> Either way, uh, I'm looking forward to getting some Yahoo Gemini data, flow, uh, Gemini data flowing into SH and we'll be able to talk some headlines about Gemini as well. I hope they just actually just sell the inventory to Bing and Google. Well, they just rolled out Gemini, so it would be funny. You know, Verizon wants their own ad platform, so I don't think they're going to do that. Okay, Probably speaking not. of platforms we don't talk about a lot, let's talk about Amazon. Yeah, another audience tool. I mean, this is the week of audiences, so you probably didn't catch this. This was super quiet. I haven't seen really anyone picking this one up. Uh, this one comes from Ad Exchange. Um, where I had to like click on this headline that was like, oh, what is this about? And then I had to like click through in order to kind of find it. But basically, this happened on Monday of this week. Amazon launched a self-serve platform called Advertiser Audiences, which again, it lets advertisers upload their audience list and their CRM information. Um, with this information, you can now uh, do some audience matching and lookalike modeling in Amazon. So. I mean, just impressive. These guys are building out their ad network so fast and being able to push out lookalikes and doing audience matching is really, really cool. So e-commerce people, man, if you, you need to be on Amazon if you're not, and then two, um, if you're on Amazon, you should be definitely using this feature. And it's, it's all self-service now. And the, it always makes me want to build a tool to let marketers upload their email lists to like these now seven platforms that all have yeah. like either uh, audiences or look like audiences that are built on email lists, but that's either neither here nor there. Um, but it's good to talk about Amazon. A lot of people saying Amazon and Apple are really going to step up this year in the ads world. Yeah, I could, I could, I could totally see that. Um, I would not be surprised that they're coming in that hot and that heavy, like the way Apple just working on their pilot with uh, Apple search ads. Man, I mean super low CPIs, really high conversion rates. Um, it makes sense though. I mean, you're low in the funnel if you're in the app store searching around, but the Amazon one is gonna be, I think, really, really interesting to see how they build out the platform. Hopefully they'll give us some API access and we can build some reporting tools into it. I can make some calls. Yeah. I know. Actually, one of the product <laughs> managers I first hired, uh, this very smart woman named Rebecca, went on to be a senior product person over at Amazon. Oh, yeah? And she's always, you know, trying to poach me, and I think uh, yeah. I can always call her and get API access. Yeah, uh, do it. I'm calling, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm calling. I know you listen every week. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll give a one call. Uh, Burt's Bees tested this out, and they doubled their return on ad spend using this advertiser audiences from Amazon. So the AAA, look out for it. So says Amazon in their promotion for their feature. I never trust those things. I just never trust them. Have you ever seen a, like, hey, we tried it and it didn't work? <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about Twitter real quick. Yeah. Because that's an easy one. It's totally consumer-y, but uh, they updated their Twitter app. Um, <laughs> it's like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I like this is like news like for Twitter. <laughs> like they didn't really do much, but you like log in today and you probably noticed at least it's on my Twitter from different icons where they're going really with kind of like a flat image and then doing just like the outline of the icon rather than a, a filled in icon. I thought that was kind of interesting um, with the top nav and then also within uh, the actual tweet. What do you, what, what, what is the actual product terms for all these? Well, uh, so the iconography has changed to be lighter. So this is pretty common if you look at most design trends, people are moving away from heavy icons to lighter icons. Uh, they're adding some more kind of, well, it's not white space in this case, but um, some more padding around the different elements to, uh, I think the designer is trying to convey it's data heavy experience, but trying to make it not feel so claustrophobic. And uh, I also read somebody talking about the uh, making data the star. So they kind of took the Twitter logo off of the mobile view. So <laughs> to try, because your eye used to always go to the, you know, if you're a designer, you use color to draw the eye to the most important thing on the page. It's one of, you know, the most uh, basic tricks in the book. And the Twitter logo on there on their app was really kind of stealing the show, and now everybody knows the Twitter brand, so they probably said, we don't need to do that. Just go check it out, you'll see all the changes. The one thing I will say is now, if, uh, if you look, your like profile image is now a circle instead of a square, and okay. there's a lot of brands that have totally screwed up their, how their logo looks because they didn't crop it to be a circular image. So go check your Twitter profile oh, yeah. and make sure that you're, you still look good as a circle. Uh, and it's not cutting off the text of your, your business name or something like that. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, I'm on there now. I look, uh, it's okay. I mean, I probably need to recenter my image, but. You know, I think if it's a headshot, it's going to be okay. It's more like if you have a little logo in there or you have some text and they cut off the corners. Um, there's a few pictures of some, some uh, logos that really got <laughs> screwed over. That's pretty funny. <laughs> That's out there on Twitter. Uh, and last story is our friends at Google. Yeah, uh, probably the most dense story of the day. Oh uh, man, because it's about like rank, ad rank, and CPCs and all that. But uh, what do you think of their changes? Oh man, this was really good. So if you're you know wanting to get into some weeds here, you really wanted to kind of dive into some data. Again, this is our our friends over at Merkel. Is this a marijuana promotion? <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into the weed. <laughs> Uh, you love the Merkle folks, by the way. Every time you talk about Merkle, you talk about how great uh, their posts are. But they're so they they do such a great job with data and then making it uh, like relevant to Good me. Point. Good point. Um, and right. so that's and they also just have a lot of spend going through it, and so they're able to actually have really cool trends. So this one is really cool because the very first graph, you're gonna go, oh my gosh, what happened? Um, so. Take a look at it. I'm going to mention it in the in the show notes, but if you, it was definitely like their big one. It's called uh, assessing the impacts of Google's uh, may add rank changes. So uh, Google did some changes, and when you go to it, it's actually pretty pretty shocking. What what you'll end up finding is a couple of things. Um, the biggest things that you'll want to look at is the branded first page uh, minimum went down, but the top of page minimum for um, non-brand actually like went up. And so these like branded terms went down, non-branded went up, which they were kind of like in lockstep, almost kind of going with each other. But now there's like this like huge chasm uh, with that. So they like broke down branded text ads. So if you're seeing your branded, um, basically your branded keywords coming down over like the last month, this is that uh, that rank. And then if you're seeing your non-brand go up, this is because of that. 
And this, um, you know, they're talking about first page bids or top of page bids, like min bid estimates. Mm -hmm. But yeah, for sure, it looks like brand are down around 10, 15%. So your brand terms should be getting cheaper. Although you're non-brand, which are, you know, obviously more competitive. And in many cases, the line share of your spend, depending on your strategy, of course, they're going up by 10 to 15%. Um, but in, in the next piece, they do, I think, overall, CPCs are trending down. So if you just look at your brand text, so, so your brand year-over-year -year CPCs in total uh, since May 1st have gone down about 10%. And the non-brand are also down, although they're kind of trending, trending the wrong direction, looking like by the end of the year they'll be more expensive. So right now they're about 3% cheaper year-over-year -year yeah. in non-brand terms, but they're getting pretty close to being the same as last year. Yeah. This is hard to talk about because people just need to look at the charts. See, this is like one of those things. Like you have to like visualize this data, and this is what they do so well. And because like they even like broke into like, uh, well, maybe it was quality score, you know, and how that impacted it. And it didn't. Like quality score pretty much stayed level. Um, so this really was an impact of what does it cost to get on the first page bid now? And Google, as usual, is very vague about what types of changes were made. They just said there were, there were adjustments made based on query meaning. So there's that. You know, I, I think it probably had something to do with like maybe like that exact match. I wonder if like a lot of people had exact match branded or, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, again, we don't know. This is all, you know, guess and hearsay, but take a look just because again, I love, I love the data. I love getting into kind of geeking out on a post and this is a post that's not necessarily a new feature or something that you have to implement. It's just taking in kind of some really cool trends from Google AdWords. And I'm going, so we launched our Slack app, Ask Ad Stage. Oh, here it is. Uh, this is self-promotion. Um, <laughs> self-promotion. But <laughs> I am going to ask it for a spend by day on AdWords, because I'm curious, oh or gosh. maybe CPC, CPC by day for this last month. And let's see um, oh, man. what our CPCs have done for the last month. While I do that, you go ahead and I bet you have a random stat or random article or some something random to talk about. Man, you know, I, I know that we last week had talked about adding in a random stat of the day and I kind of forgot, but I, I, I do have one. I, I, I did learn something and um, this comes from you're a scholar and a gentleman. A gentleman and a, a scholar. A gentleman and a scholar. You have to yeah. get your sayings right. You have right. to get it right in order to even find it. So, um, gentleman and a scholar. Um, so for those of you who have ever used this term, I was like, well, where does that even come from? So I looked it up because it's what you do. You go to, you know, kind of dive into a Wikipedia page. And basically what it comes out to is uh, it was like a really high compliment if you were like, you were a gentleman back in the day. And then if you was also a really highly regarded if you were a scholar, but you were like to the max if you were a gentleman and a scholar. So it was like, I'm going to one-up you. It sounded like something maybe that came about like in a tavern after too many beers and someone was trying to like one-up, you know, you might be talking to that guy that just got back from like a vacation who's like the one-up king and he's like, well, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Nice. You That's, are a gentleman and a scholar. You're a gentleman, you too. I'm going to add a third <laughs> thing. You're a gentleman and a scholar and a genius. <laughs> genius. I, I one-upped you. Wow. Our CPCs okay. did come down around four to, uh, let's call it $5 on average down to about uh, high threes. 
We also hired you, and you did a lot of optimization on the AdWords account. <laughs> so uh, I think a change that drastic, I'm going to give you most of the credit. Yeah, we'll um, have to. It'd be fun to break out, though. Let me break that out just for internal purposes. I can break out brand versus non brand. Uh, yeah, yeah, and have some fun. CPCs are, are down. Good job. See, he doesn't just do headlines because he's, uh, he's a pretty face. He also does a good job optimizing campaigns. <laughs> nice job. Hey, so that's all the headlines we have. As usual, you could always uh, go to our blog, blog.adsage.io, find those articles, or tweet at us, or email us uh, to get headlines on the show, and we will see you next Thursday. See ya.